0: welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, Uber Lube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about Uber Lube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is this chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount of every time plus no sticky residue it's latex compatible and fun fact it can be used under water so if you go to Uberloop.com, that's uberlub com and use the code podcast you will get 10% off orders on their website i know you won't be disappointed hey everyone i want to talk about something i get asked about so frequently and i haven't done a podcast episode On yet, which is premature ovarian insufficiency. So premature ovarian insufficiency is very kind of commonly heard, and it used to be called premature ovarian failure. Now, we as doctors decided that we didn't like the term failure because who wants to be called a failure. So the term actually was more appropriately termed premature ovarian insufficiency. And honestly, this holds a really important point. And that is that you can still randomly ovulate if you have POI, premature ovarian insufficiency. So since it's a mouthful, I'm going to call it POI during the rest of this but you can still ovulate. Now it is infrequent and it is very rare and it can depend on how much ovarian reserve that you have left, but is not entirely impossible that you won't ovulate, especially if you see me. I am a menopause specialist, and I might start you on some hormone therapy to improve your quality of life, and that could actually cause you to ovulate. So I want to get into some of the really important things about premature ovarian insufficiency today so that if you think you have this or you have it, you you know, and you've been diagnosed, but you're looking for more answers, you're looking for more support, I want to be hopefully that voice for you. So let's start with the basic definitions of POI. So POI is menopo- sorry, menopause before age 40. So if you are diagnosed with menopause any time from, you know, when you're a teenager, if some women, I've seen women in their early 20s, they've never had a period and they have been diagnosed with POI up until age 39, if you're 39 and you become menopausal, that is all kind of POI range and it is really crucial. It's super important that you know that you have POI because the way we're going to treat you, the quality of your life is really going to be impacted By this diagnosis, think about it. If you are menopausal at 30 and the average age of menopause is 51 and a half, that means you are going to essentially feel that aging. You are going to feel older than you really are, and you are going to lose some of the things that most, you know, 30-year-old people have, like your libido, good sleep, etc. You know, if you are affected by symptoms, which most women with POI are because their brain is sort of losing that estrogen so early. So the way you get diagnosed, and this is what I always tell my patients in clinic, I look for three things when I'm diagnosing menopause, and it's still true if it is POI versus natural menopause. The first is no periods in 12 months. So I always recommend journaling. It is so important, you know, journal till the point where you get sick of it. Journal because it's going to really help you when you think, oh, has it been eight months, nine months, six months? Journal, journal, journal. It is so, 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 helpful. So if you can journal, that's really, really going to make a big difference. So no periods in 12 months is one of the first clues, the second is lab work. Now, a lot of people ask me about lab work. When should I get lab work? You know, when do I need lab work? And lab work is something that everyone really wants. They, they really want to look at these numbers, but in actuality, it's really a clinical, all of this is sort of a clinical diagnosis all global. So you want to have not only just, you know, uh, lab work. So again, first thing I said, no periods in 12 months. Second thing is your lab work. So let's talk about what lab work you're going to see so i really check for a couple th- when i think someone has poi um i check for a couple of labs and i'm going to give you those but the two most important or even maybe the most important is going to be your follicle stimulating hormone level your fsh level so we say fsh for short because follicle stimulating hormone is a mouthful as is premature ovarian insufficiency why do we make all these terms so long all right, so an FSH generally over 35, on a couple separate occasions, you want to definitely check this more than once, um, just just to be sure, um, an FSH level greater than 35 is going to be consistent with, with menopause, especially, uh, and with a low estrogen level. So let me talk about low estrogen levels. When you go into menopause, whether it's early menopause or it's natural menopause, essentially what happens is all the uh, estrogen that your ovaries make, your eggs, your follicles, before they become um, potentially embryos if, if they end up getting fertilized, all of those make most of the estrogen in your body. And let's say you're going into natural menopause, as women get up to age 51 and a half, those ovaries just kind of close down shop and really don't make any estrogen anymore. Now, if I I was going to go to my local grocery store and get on the uh you know loudspeaker and say if everyone could come get their estrogen levels checked who is menopausal who hasn't had a period in a year let me see what your blood levels are i'm going to check your estradiol levels and i would get pretty consistent estradiols levels between 0 and 20. And to give you a reference range, when you were cycling or when you are cycling, your your estrogen goes anywhere from about 50 to 500 every month, right? Up and down, up and down. And when your estrogen is highest, that's when you ovulate. When it's lowest, that's usually during your period. So typically, if you are menopausal, you're going to see an FSH over 35, and in, in my premature ovarian insufficiency patients, I typically even see it much higher. Like it is not out of normal for it to be, you know, 70s, 90s, even 100s, because your brain it keeps looking for estrogen, so it keeps sending out that signal. That's why that FSH level gets higher, higher, and higher, but your estrogen is still low because your ovaries are like, we just not, we just not here. Um, and so that's why you have a high FSH level and a low estrogen level. Okay, so those are going to be really important clues. As long and then as well as you, number one, journaling. No, no periods in 12 months. So let's summarize so far: no periods in 12 months, a high FSH, usually above. 35, and estrogen level somewhere between 0 and 20. And then the third thing is going to be symptoms. So you probably will have some kind of classic symptoms, and whether it's for a short period of time or if it's a long period of time, you're probably going to have a constellation of hot flashes, maybe night sweats, low libido, vaginal dryness pain with intercourse because those are the all the places that your brain and your body love to have estrogen we have estrogen receptors all over our body so our brain when our brain is looking for estrogen which you should have arguably at 30 years old and we're just using that you know because again POI is anywhere between, you know, never having a period or menopause diagnosed under age 40. Your brain is constantly looking for estrogen. When it's not there, it's like going to the light switch over my guest room and flacking it off and on and off and on, which is changing that thermostat regulatory zone in your brain. That's what's causing all of these hot flashes. So you probably will have hot flashes, night sweats, brain fog, which is just like, ah, oh, I don't feel like myself. I can't think as fast as I used to. That's really what brain fog is kind of all about. Low libido, vaginal dryness, painful intercourse. Those are really, really common symptoms. So again, the three things you wanna look for in making the diagnosis of premature ovarian insufficiency, menopause before age 40 is no periods in 12 months, an elevated FSH above 35 Least on two occasions, an estrogen level somewhere between zero and twenty. Now I do check a couple other labs because you always want to rule out. You don't want to miss something else that it could be. So I always check a thyroid, a TSH level because low thyroid can sometimes mimic, um, you know, amenorrhea, which is not having periods. So you want to check a TSH level. Number two, I usually check a prolactin level. I want to make sure this is not something different coming from your brain. That's why you're not getting those signals. Um, number three. I usually also check a testosterone level, and that's because I want to make sure this is. um, Well, two reasons. I want to make sure it's not something else that can be causing no periods, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. There are actually two really sort of different uh, diagnoses, but you want to—they're treated very differently, um, and so you want to make sure this is not polycystic ovarian syndrome. So. Typically, a testosterone level is gonna be really high. If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's gonna be really low if you have um, POI, premature ovarian insufficiency, because think about it, you're, you lose estrogen, you also lose that testosterone. I also typically will sometimes add in just some other health maintenance labs at that time, because this can really affect your overall health. You wanna check things if they haven't been checked before, like a, a prediabetes test, like an A1C, cholesterol levels, Um, It's just a good time to kind of look at someone's overall health. So I sometimes also check a CBC and just some other basic lab work. So that's going to really sort of set you up for the diagnosis. So how common is this? I'm going to look down for a second because I wrote these down here. So about one in 10,000 women will be diagnosed by age 20. So these are women who really never have a period ever. They're probably... Can born with low ovarian reserve. And I will talk about some of those causes. One in a thousand by age 30, and one in 250 women by age 35, which, if you think about it, that's that is rare but it's not like it never happens and a lot of you know the reason i also really wanted to do this video is i will have patients um who are you know when they see me they're in their 50s and they'll say yeah menopause for me was definitely at you know 32 i just stopped having periods and this this kind of went missed as a diagnosis, meaning that this is a medical concern, and perhaps, and I wasn't there, I wasn't the original diagnosing doctor, but perhaps it was just like, oh, okay, now you're menopausal, and that makes me want to pull my hair out because this is a really important diagnosis because it has really um, big implications for how we should be treating you, for how menopause specialists should be treating you. Okay, so we talked about the definition of um, POI. So what are the major causes? This is another big question that I get So we as menopause specialists don't know. And if this is the first time watching a video by me, I'm Dr. Heather Hirsch. I am a menopause specialist. I am NAM certified. That's the North American Menopause Society. And this is the governing body of menopause experts in the United States. I highly recommend checking out their website at menopause.org because they have tons of resources. And they also have a place on their website where you can search for a provider by your zip code. And I really think having a physician who's specialized in menopause, particularly particularly if you are diagnosed with POI, but also if you are menopausal and you don't feel that you're getting the adequate support you should be getting from your gynecologist, your internist, your family medicine physician, whatever, I definitely recommend hitting up the menopause.org website. So as menopause experts, we're still trying to figure out what are the exact causes of POI, but we do know that there are some. So autoimmune conditions are maybe, definitely, maybe (laughs) somewhere in that spectrum of, you know, reasons why etiologies for premature ovarian insufficiency. So in an autoimmune condition, a a very common one is hypothyroidism, okay? In hypothyroidism, for example, your own cells are attacking your own body's normal cells that should be making thyroid. And, you know, why do they do this? Why do they kind of go high wire? Well, we're not really sure. But that's what causes hypothyroidism. It's your own body kind of attacking your own body. Doesn't sound very fair, I know. And hypothyroidism is really common. This is interesting because in women who have hypothyroidism, we do see a... a, slightly increased risk or, or a propensity to also have premature ovarian insufficiency. So it's really common. So autoimmune conditions do kind of tend to run together. So if you have one autoimmune condition like hypothyroidism, I would always recommend continuing to think about other autoimmune conditions like pernicious anemia, which is anemia, um, celiac disease, which you may have heard of as a gut, a gut, um, disorder where you can't, um, break down and absorb, you know, gluten products, um, POI, um, other skin conditions like psoriasis, there's a lot of autoimmune conditions and they sometimes go together. So hyper, hyper hyperthyroidism as well as hypothyroidism is, is, is of course the other spectrum of the thyroid autoimmune conditions. And those can increase your risk for POI. So overall, when I'm taking a history of a patient and they have a long standing history of autoimmune conditions, number one, automatically I'm thinking about, you know, are they increased risk? Should I test her for other autoimmune conditions as well? as, you know, is this a reason why she has POI or why menopause, you know, is early or maybe a risk factor for POI. So lots of that autoimmune stuff going on. There's also some genetic conditions that can cause um, POI, such as Fragile X and Turner's syndromes. Both of these conditions are you're born with and it's sort of in your genes. You have low ovarian reserve, you don't or you don't have any eggs or follicles or ovaries, estrogen in your ovaries because you don't make any have any follicles. And so that is another reason why it is very rare. And typically, if you have Fragile X or Turner syndrome, you're going to know this. You also might not develop other things like breast buds and other sort of, you're going to have a big clue that you might have Fragile X or uh, Turner's syndrome. So those are a little bit more rare than autoimmune conditions. Um, now, another reason you can have premature ovarian insufficiency, it doesn't have to be natural. It could be from other things, but it's not really considered necessarily under the umbrella POI because it has another reason. So one obvious one is surgical removal of your ovaries. Okay, so you can have surgical removal of your ovaries. Um, That's called a bilateral oophorectomy. Now remember, your uterus kinda has nothing to do with menopause, I know. It's all of you have your ovaries because that's where all your estrogen is. Those are your female sex hormone glands, right? So if you had your ovaries removed, that's going to put, let's say you had your ovaries removed at 30. Okay. That is going to put you also in the same category in terms of how this will affect your quality of life and your treatment, but you didn't necessarily have premature ovarian insufficiency. But again, it, it is interesting um, in that some of the things that I want to say in terms of quality of life and treatment are going to be really similar. So if you had menopause before age 40, because they were surgically removed, your ovaries were surgically removed, you You had chemo, which stopped your ovaries. You had radiation to the pelvis, which stopped your ovaries. Wow, I said that like three times. Um, That's important. It's not considered POI, but it's going to have the same types of implications for the rest of your life, your quality of life, and your treatment goals. All right. So why is POI so important? Well, the first is for having babies. It's gonna be really hard to have your family if that is your goal. There's no right or wrong answer. I really can't stress that enough. And there's no right or wrong way to have a family, okay? That is really, really important. That being said, if your goal was to have your own biologic children or carry a pregnancy, then you are definitely going to want to go to a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. So they're also known as REI physicians. And this is really important to get the accurate diagnosis so that you do not wait if you want to get pregnant and if you you know, you want to try to um, do egg retrieval. If you have any viable, you know, eggs left, you definitely don't want to delay getting into an REI physician. Now, I'm not a bona fide REI physician. I'm not even close to being a bu- an unbonafide REI physician, but I do see these patients so much that I will immediately ask my patients, and I at- hence ask you to think about, What is your family planning goals? Do you want to have biologic children? And then if so, get to see an REI specialist ASAP. It is not impossible to have children, but the sooner you can get diagnosed correctly, the sooner you can get into the REI physician, they can discuss with you what your options are. Okay? So You just want to get to the REI doctor quickly. They will probably check what's called an AMH level, an anti-mullerian hormone level. That is going to tell you how much ovarian reserve that you have at the time that you get this lab tested. So main moral of the story from my aspect is if you want to have biologic children, get to see the REI doctor soon. And then what we're going to spend the remainder of this podcast or episode on is talking about why this diagnosis Affects treatment so much. So the gold standard treatment for women with POI is 100% hormone replacement therapy. And there is two major reasons. The first is actually what I'm going to go out on a limb and say, heart protection or primary uh, prevention, okay? We don't actually use those terms. We don't actually say that estrogen is used for primary prevention, but I want to talk about just how it's going to prevent you from accelerating chronic diseases. And then two is quality of life, because again, a 30-year-old woman should have levels of estrogen that are really high floating around in her system. And when you have a drop, when you lose your sex hormones, your estrogen, your testosterone really, really early, this can definitely age you and also significantly decrease your quality of life. So let's talk about the first one because I really don't want you to turn this off or lose me. Before you hear me talk about this, there is tons of myths about menopause hormone replacement therapy. And I talk about this at great length throughout my podcasts, in my courses, on my website, just pretty much everywhere, and with my patients as well. This really doesn't apply to women who have POI because women with POI, the gold standard, you definitely, the risks of not being on hormone therapy outweigh the risks of being on hormone therapy. So let me say that again, if you do not take estrogen and progesterone and possibly testosterone, you are probably going to accelerate your risk for developing chronic diseases much sooner than if you didn't take hormone replacement, all right? So All right, let's get down to that. So you say, okay, Dr. Hirsch, I'm totally on board. I think you know what you're talking about. What does that mean I should be taking? So let me tell you what I experience and how I generally discuss this with my patients. First of all, this is not medical advice. That is a full disclosure. This is just an overview. This is just for your educational purposes, okay? Again, big plug for menopause.org and find a NAMS doctor near you because I want you to have a discussion with your doctor. Um, a menopause specialist is, is definitely helpful if your, you know, own doctor is just not sure how to handle or treat POI. Bye. <sighs> But you do want to be on estrogen replacement. I typically, again, educational purposes only, I typically give my POI patients a higher dose of estrogen replacement therapy than I do for my women who are in their 50s um, going through natural menopause. And this is because we really need to physiologically almost or nearly replace your estrogen levels, right? I do have patients who are in their 20s, and they shouldn't have just a whiff of estrogen, as many of my 50-year-old postmenopausal women do, they really probably need a little bit more to feel like a healthy, normal 20-year-old. So I prefer if my patients do not have um, any comorbidities such as metabolic syndrome, uh, uh, uncontrolled hypertension, um dyslipidemia, diabetes, I do prefer an oral estrogen. And I also typically will give this in combination with an oral testosterone. And that is because a lot of my patients do complain or report low libido. Now, before I get into the testosterone part, let me just go back to the estrogen. I don't want to confuse you and get too fast. So the estrogen is the necessary hormone, okay? The estrogen is the necessary hormone. It is going to not only improve your hot flashes, because your brain, which is searching for that estrogen, which is like, where the heck is it? I just saw you. I didn't just see you, but it's been a couple years, but come on, give me some estrogen. It's going to satisfy those receptors in your brain so that you stop changing that thermostat and in your brain and you stop having the hot flashes. Then you sleep better at night. Your mood overall is better. Brain fog gets better. And it's just wonderful. The things that it's also doing is protecting your heart. Women have more heart disease who are diagnosed with POI who are not on estrogen. Estrogen's a vasodilator, it pops open your vessels. And when it pops open your vessels, all that blood gets through your heart and your heart loves that oxygen. And it really keeps your heart super duper healthy. Also keeps your arteries healthy by dilating them. And we know that this also prevents metabolic syndrome, probably, well, it, it probably protects against metabolic syndrome, probably because of the way estrogen estrogen um, affects the insulin resistance basically affects the way you absorb and digest sugar so it's going to help you so 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 There's a two components, right? I hope I'm not losing you, but there's two big components. It's going to improve the quality of life, your hot flashes, your sleeping, your brain fog, your mood, your irritability. Maybe it's, you know, tearfulness or anger, hostility. And it's also going to do things that you can't see, which is why the benefits of estrogen outweigh by far the risks, and why a lot of those things you hear about in the media do not apply to POI. It's going to help protect your heart. It's going to help protect you against, probably protect you against um, metabolic syndrome. It's going to keep you having nice, uh, insulin, uh, sensitivity. It's going to keep your blood pressure under control. Just all of the things. And these may be direct or indirect, meaning it may directly affect the way your body metabolizes sugar, or it may have to do with the fact that now you sleep seven to nine hours and that's keeping your metabolism in check. So estrogen is the necessary hormone. I usually give it orally and I usually give it in a pretty good dose. And I do have my patients come back, and I like to see their estrogen levels somewhere between 50 and 100, and I also like to see that uh, their symptoms improve. So estrogen is the necessary hormone. Number two, I did talk about um, testosterone. The main reason to give testosterone really is for libido. Now, we don't want to give you too high of a testosterone level, which is why you only ever want to use FDA-approved hormone therapy that you can get at your local pharmacy. You do not want to use pellet injections or compounded hormone therapy. I have a whole other podcast and I will do an episode on that again as well, but you want to only get FDA-approved options. There is one FDA-approved option that I do like to use for my patients who have POI, which is covarix or methyl testosterone is a combination of oral estrogen and testosterone. Um, the testosterone dose is still low. It's still a female dose, but you do want to watch out for side effects. So why take it libido? Most women in their 20s and 30s would like to have a libido of a 20 and 30 year old. And so I do think the testosterone replacement part is helpful. Now, the side effects can be, you know, male pattern balding, acne, facial hair, which no one wants. So if someone comes back to see me in a couple months and they say my libido is great, but I'm getting acne and and some facial hair, I'm going to check that testosterone level and I'm definitely going to reduce that dose. You do not want too high of testosterone levels, especially for a prolonged time, for example, with pellet injections, because you can get some major, major side effects. Number one, you can have permanent deepening of your voice. Number two, you can have um, the ha- hair loss, which you know, no one wants. You can have um, acne, which causes scarring. And I've seen this take a long time to reverse. And you can have permanent enlargement of your clitoris, and that medical term is called clitoromegaly. So you do not want to take unregulated medications. And you definitely want a physician who you feel comfortable, who can monitor these doses appropriately. All right, there's one more hormone that you need if you still have your intact uterus, which many of my POI patients do have, and that is progesterone. The main role of the progesterone is to protect your intact uterus if you have one. So that's its main role. Sometimes if it's given at night, can make women feel a little sleepy. And so sometimes it also can help with sleep. But the main role is just to protect your intact uterus. If you don't have an intact uterus, you don't need a progesterone. A lot of my POI patients also love um, the idea of having a Marina or other progestin-releasing IUD. If you have an IUD in the uterus, you don't need to take oral progesterone because the, the, the progesterone that's being released from the IUD is going locally just to the uterus and so there's no need to take it orally. And women like that because that's just one less medication they have to take. Again, if you have POI and you're young and you maybe have other autoimmune conditions, there's a lot going on. The less medications, the better. So I do end up doing that with a lot of my patients. So let's quickly review because I know I have a tendency to talk fast, and I'm sorry. So if you have POI, there's three hormones that you want to consider and your doctor wants to consider with you. The first is a must, which is estrogen replacement. I typically give this orally if my patients are otherwise healthy, and I'm checking for an estrogen level somewhere between 50 and 100, and I'm checking to see that symptoms are reduced. Number two is testosterone, particularly for women with low libido, which I often see, and I wanna make sure that testosterone is still somewhere under 40, Um, when I check, and that the patient is not having any remote symptoms of too much testosterone. And the third is progesterone, and that is a must if you have an intact uterus. It's only roles to protect the intact uterus. You can either take it orally, um, or you can use a progestin-releasing IUD. And then just to go backwards and summarize, what are the three ways I diagnose POI? First, I look for no periods in 12 months. Two, I look for an elevated FSH more than two times over 35 with a low estradiol level. I want to make sure I also rule out polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. Just a little tip, with PCOS, you're not going to have a high FSH level, especially consistently. So that's going to help definitely differentiate. It's also a good time to sort of tee up your other health maintenance issues. This condition, while it is rare, is not you know, it's definitely something that you, you see, and if you're watching this, you have, or you know somebody that does, and it's just very, very important. We care because of, if you wanna have children, you wanna see an REI specialist, and you really, 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 I hope I've hit home the point that you want to be on estrogen replacement therapy. These treatment goals, if you're listening, are also the same for anyone who has had menopause for other reasons who is under the age of 30. So if you, or sorry, under the age of 40, under the age of forty, if you had your ovaries removed, if you had chemo or radiation um, to the to your uh, pelvis and your menopausal, this treatment. Um, ideology is the same, definitely estrogen, plus or minus on the testosterone. And if you still have an intact uterus, you will need a progestin. So to end this, I just want to talk about how long should you be on these hormones? That's a very common question. Now, I am a, you know, fellowship trained uh, women's health specialist. And uh, I, I take the stand that You know, you definitely should take them until about the age of natural menopause, age 51. But if you want to continue on them, I think that that that's absolutely fine. I tend to at that point, you know, maybe we'll consider lowering your dose. You may be able to get away with a lower dose, bring those levels down just a little bit, but still control your symptoms. So what I tell all my patients is if you want to be on them forever, I think that's absolutely fine. The biggest risk is always going to be the rare risk of a blood clot, which is usually highest in the first three months of treatment. So if you say, gee, I started these when I was 30, and now I'm 50. You've pretty much told yourself you're not gonna have a blood clot if you haven't by then. But I would still just reduce those doses. Sometimes I change it to a transdermal, a pasture spray, or gel. It all just depends on how the patient's been feeling. Some of my patients wanna stop and wanna come off, and when they do, they feel great. So there's no need to restart them. But some of my patients you know, they'll stop and they want to go back on. Some people say, never take these from my cold dead hands. And that's fine too. So you want to have a good doctor to walk you through all this. So that was cliff notes on premature ovarian insufficiency. I know I didn't cover everything. It is a very, very complex, complicated topic, but those are some of the really important take-home messages. If you think you have POI or if someone you know has POI, this is a big lesson, important, important message that I want you to hear. You definitely, definitely want to be on hormone replacement therapy. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Hope this was good. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. If you loved this podcast, please give it some stars or a review. It really helps more women see this podcast. And don't forget my amazing courses. They can be found on Heather Hirsch MD slash, slash course where you can browse the comprehensive, complete guide to menopause, everything you ever wanted to know that your doctor never told you. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It comes with downloadables, letters to your doctor, references. It's got everything in there, including bone health, sexual health, um, sleep, just so much amazing stuff. So check it all out. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day or evening. Bye.